We want to get to know the real Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. Everybody knows something about Jesus, but we really want to get to know the one that we've been talking about on Sunday nights, the one who is perfect God, perfect man, perfect God and perfect man all at the same time. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a test. There is a theological term that talks about Jesus being fully God, fully man, all at the same time. Anybody want to call out what that theological term is? Thank you. Hypostatic union. I said you could impress your friends with it. Everybody be impressed with Larry Belusio tonight and anybody else that said that as well. Uh, But that's really getting to know Jesus that at the very same time he is fully God and fully man. And we talked about how necessary that is. He's the one who gave his life and paid the penalty for our sins as our substitute. We took a look at that as well. This evening, I'd like to share with you a classic argument that forces anybody who's an honest thinker to eliminate options as to who Jesus really isn't. It eliminates a whole lot of options that logically make no sense whatsoever. tells us who Jesus cannot possibly be, and it leaves us with a choice that is very, very dramatic. And I trust we're all going to be able to understand that tonight. Some of you have heard this many times before. Jesus was and is God himself. That's the only option that remains standing after the others are eliminated. This classic argument is given a name. It is called the trilemma. If you want to look that up online and study further about that, there's an awful lot that is written about the trilemma. It was popularized by C.S. Lewis. We don't know if he originated it. There are a number of people who possibly, uh, their claimants to, to, to bringing this about are, are galore. There are many of them. But the trilemma, a logical argument, it states that Jesus was either the Lord or a liar or a lunatic. Hence, the trilemma, those three options that are given. Jesus was either Lord, liar, or lunatic. And you know what? That even I cringe a little bit even to hear myself saying that because two of those options are so far from the truth that it, it, it's something that, that is unsettling. This, uh, this uh, expression, the trilemma, Lord, liar, lunatic, has also been popularized as mad, bad, or God. That's what they say about Jesus. One of those options, either mad, bad, or or God. Jesus was either who he claimed to be, God himself, or he was the extreme polar opposite, an evil imposter or a raving maniac. And that's where we get Lord, liar, lunatic from. Notice that the middle ground that people often want to step on, that Jesus was a good man, maybe even a great man, a gifted teacher, an exemplary moral figure, a positive influence on humanity, all of that is logically eliminated. That is not making any sense at all. He was either the Lord he claimed to be, or if he wasn't the Lord he claimed to be, he was a liar or a lunatic. But all of that middle ground suddenly disappears. It goes away completely. Jesus' distinct claims of being God eliminate the popular ploy of the skeptics who regard him as just a good moral man or maybe a prophet. Prophet who said a lot of profound things. And there are people all over who want to convince us that this Jesus is somebody to be highly respected. 
but he's not to be highly respected if he's not who he claimed he was. Oftentimes it is those scholars or those who want to to be very, very intellectual and who want to say that it's really not good thinking to say that Jesus was God himself. So let's say something else because we know nobody wants to agree that he was a bad man. So we'll take this middle ground and this middle ground says that Jesus was somebody simply who was very, very good. And the problem is that many people, even people like us, will nod in agreement to that and say, isn't that nice? They respect Jesus. They respect the Jesus that we regard as our substitute for our sins, our Savior. They respect him. Isn't that good? No, that isn't good at all. In fact, that's entrapping. That's very dangerous to be treading on that middle ground. And I hope we see that as we go forward. I said C.S. Lewis popularized this, but so have a lot of other people, particularly a man by the name of Josh McDowell, And I'll be quoting from Josh a lot, and I'm not going to tell you every time I quote from him or else I'll be calling his name more than Jesus, and I don't want to do that tonight. And Josh McDowell, uh, I am indebted to him for this. But here's what C.S. Lewis said. He was a professor at Cambridge University, once an agnostic, and he understood this issue very clearly from his own personal testimony. Here's what he writes. I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. And then he adds, you can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Now, why is that important? It's important because you will find that consistently there are false religions, skeptics, and cults who will try to take away from Jesus something that he is. They will try to take away his humanity from him, as we've seen in some of our studies here. They will try to take away his deity. They will regard Jesus as something less than what he was. And they will say Jesus is a great historical figure, a good man, just not God. But they can't say that he was a bad man. Who else is the most respected figure in all of history? Somebody has written a poem, sort of a poem, called One Solitary Life, talking about Jesus, and he says, He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a home. He didn't go to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 years when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his garments. 
the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man on this earth as much as that one solitary life. Let me quote from Wikipedia, which talks about the trilemma. It says, this argument is very popular with Christian apologists, although some theologians and biblical scholars do not view Jesus as having claimed to be God. Some argue that he identified himself as a divine agent with a unique relationship to Israel's God. Others see him as wanting to direct attention to the divine kingdom he proclaimed. You understand that when one calls himself a Christian or calls himself a Christian scholar, it does not mean that he believes in the Lord Jesus Christ as presented in the scriptures. The trilemma you will see is an argument based on what Jesus said about himself recorded in the scriptures. Who is Jesus? Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 16. If you have a Bible or you have a device you'd like to turn to, Matthew 16. It says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. You see what's happening even then? These people are going to the middle ground. They're going to the middle ground and they're saying, Well, They think you're something really special, Jesus. That's who the people think you are. They don't think that you're a bad person because a bad person doesn't go around healing people. A bad person doesn't go around saying the things of truth that you're saying. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus came back and said to him, blessed are you. God revealed that to you. You're on the higher ground. You're not on the middle ground. You've seen through who I really am. Matthew chapter 26, verse 63. But Jesus remained silent. This was at his mock trial. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, you have said so. But I tell you from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What further witness do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, He deserves death. Why? Because Jesus claimed to be God himself. John chapter 5, verse 17. But Jesus answered them, My Father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own God, making himself equal with God. (coughs) Excuse me. The Father was not just the Father. He was my Father in a unique way to the Lord Jesus. John chapter 10. Verses 25 through 33, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. 
I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God. Jesus claimed to be God. They all understood that. They claimed it was blasphemous. They wanted to kill him because he claimed to be God. Was he really? The trilemma says, think this through very carefully. Peter Kreef, the Christian philosopher, describes the trilemma as the most important argument in Christian apologetics. The classic argument is presented in a logical manner that a thinking person among us will do well to think carefully through these issues. (coughs) Excuse me. Was Jesus a liar? You stop and think about that. Would anybody say, yes, Jesus was a liar. He lied all the time. He went around telling things that were not true. All of his life he did that. There are no one, There is no one around who would say that. If when Jesus made his claims, he knew that he was not God, then he was lying and deliberately deceiving his followers. But if he was a liar, then he was something else as well. He was also a hypocrite because he told other people to be honest at all cost. Always maintain the truth, he taught. But Jesus would be a hypocrite if he was lying. More than that, he could even be considered by some as the most evil person on earth, or even a demon or Satan himself, because he told others to trust him for their eternal destiny. If he couldn't back up his claims, and he knew he couldn't back up his claims, then he was unspeakably evil. And he would also be a fool because it was his claims to being God that led to his crucifixion. Again, many will say that Jesus was a phenomenal moral teacher. Let's be realistic. How could he be a great moral teacher and knowingly mislead people at the most important point of his teaching, his own identity? Someone has written, you would have to conclude logically that he was a deliberate liar. This view of Jesus, however, doesn't coincide with what we know either of him or the results of his life and teachings. Wherever Jesus has been proclaimed, lives have been changed for the good. Nations have changed for the better. Thieves are made honest. Alcoholics are cured. Hateful individuals become channels of love. Unjust persons become just. If Jesus was a liar, if he was a con man, and therefore an evil, foolish man, then how can we explain the fact that he left us with the most profound moral instruction and powerful moral example that anyone has ever left? Could a deceiver, an imposter of monstrous proportions, teach such unselfish ethical truths and live such a morally exemplary life as Jesus did? The very notion is incredible. It would seem impossible for anybody to conclude that Jesus was a liar. Was he a lunatic? I'm quoting again, if it is inconceivable for Jesus to be a liar, then couldn't he actually have thought himself to be God and been mistaken? 
After all, it's possible to be both sincere and wrong. But we must remember that for someone to think himself God, especially in a fiercely monotheistic culture, and then to tell others that their eternal destiny depended on believing in him is no light flight of fantasy, but the thoughts of a lunatic in the fullest sense. Was Jesus Christ such a person? Someone who believes he is God would be deluded and self-deceived and probably he would be locked up so he wouldn't hurt himself or he wouldn't hurt anyone else. Yet in Jesus, we don't observe the abnormalities and the imbalance that usually go along with being deranged. His poise and composure would certainly be amazing if he were insane. In the light of the other things we know about Jesus, it's hard to imagine at all that he was mentally disturbed. Here's a man who spoke some of the most profound sayings ever recorded. His instructions have liberated many individuals from mental bondage. And quoting again from Peter Kreef, that Christian philosopher, he says this, and follow along with this. He says, a measure of your insanity is the size of the gap between what you think you are and what you really are. If I think I am the greatest philosopher in America, I am only an arrogant fool. If I think I am Napoleon, I am probably over the edge. If I think I am a butterfly, I am fully embarked from the sunny shores of sanity. But if I think I am God, I am even more insane because the gap between anything finite and the infinite God is even greater than the gap between any two finite things, even a man and a butterfly. Was Jesus a liar? Doesn't appear to be at all. Was he a lunatic? There's no evidence whatsoever. Was he Lord? What did John say? And again, if you want to turn with me, John chapter 20, several verses from John chapter 20, this one, verses 30 and 31. Now, Jesus did other signs, John says, as he's kind of coming to a conclusion in his book. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's what John said. What did Thomas say? John chapter 20, verse 26. Eight days later, Jesus' disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Thomas, against his own reasoning, against his own will, was convinced that Jesus was his Lord. Jesus said to Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. What did Paul say? Speaking of the Lord Jesus in 1 Timothy 3.16, great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. Some of the translations actually provide the word God here rather than he, but you can see the antecedent for he in the verses preceding is Jesus. Jesus was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. What he's saying is Jesus was God in a body. God in a body. So we have the trilemma. 
And what I'd like to do is one more time, I want to make sure that it's deeply ingrained within us. So I'm going to ask my sign people if you would come forward to help us a little bit with this. This is not the kind of signing you do for the deaf. This is another kind of signing. They're going to get lined up and we're going to look at the trilemma one more time. We're going to look at the claim that Jesus made to be God. This was unrehearsed, by the way. Jesus claimed to be God, and there are two alternatives. Either his claims were false, or they were true. Okay, hold them up real high so that they can see above. Okay, either they were true, or false, or true. If his claims were false... So we're looking over here in this direction where the false claim is is being signed. There are, again, if his claims were false, only two alternatives. He knew his claims were false. Or he did not know his claims were false. Those two alternatives. Now back to the one, if he knew his claims were false, what do we call a person who makes claims he knows are false? We call that person a liar. Or we could add to that a hypocrite. He told others to be honest, whatever the cost. We don't have a sign for this because I didn't want to dignify this by a sign, but others will say he's a demon. He told others to trust him for their eternal destiny. He would be like the lemmings who are led over the cliff, and he would be responsible for doing that. But we would be able to say that someone who made claims that he knew were false was also a fool because he died for a lie. I think we can agree that a good man is not a liar, is not a hypocrite, is not a demon, is not a fool. The other alternative, he did not know his claims were false. It's possible that maybe he was sincerely deluded, which makes him then a lunatic. The one that C.S. Lewis claimed is on a level with the man who claims to be a poached egg. Now, I don't know why, but that expression, a poached egg, has stood with me for decades Um, I've never heard anybody called a poached egg, but C.S. Lewis used that expression here, and that certainly would be somebody that was a lunatic. And remember, for someone to think he is God, especially in a culture so monotheistic, is not a passing flight of fancy, but a lunatic in the fullest sense. And incidentally, you don't find anyone charging Jesus with insanity. His whole life was consistently lived for the Lord. If his claims were true, and now we're coming over here with a sign that's easier to see because it's higher in the air. If his claims were true, yet again, there are only two alternatives. If his claims were true, he's the Lord and nothing else. And the two alternatives are that we either accept him or we reject him. There is no middle ground. If you see the the distance between Rachel and Ray, could you two move this way a little further, a little further this way apart, yeah, apart from each other. 
you can see here there is no middle ground. That middle ground is where people try to build the image that Jesus was just maybe even a spectacular prophet or a great teacher. <coughs> Excuse me. Maybe the best leader ever. The grandest example of a human being we've ever known. <coughs> Excuse me. That middle ground is gone to a thinking person. Jesus was either who he claimed he was or he was the worst person who ever lived or he was a lunatic. But we don't have that middle ground, that patronizing middle ground any longer. Our choices are to accept him for who he claimed to be or to reject him for being somebody who's maybe over here on this side. We've got to strip aside all of this baggage in the middle ground. And people make us feel really good sometimes. They say, you know what? Jesus was a great person. And we say, oh, I'm so glad you feel highly about him. No, that is, that is unacceptable. If they say Jesus is only a great person, only the greatest person, that's totally, totally unacceptable. He was either who he claimed he was or the worst person in history or a lunatic. That's the trilemma. Now, why do I share that? So what? Why is that important? That's important because that helps us to understand a little bit more about Jesus. But that is a transferable concept. That is something we can share with others, not to be argumentative, but to ask, by the way, have you ever thought about this? You just told me that you think Jesus is a great person. Do you know what? He couldn't have been just a great person. And you can share this. This can be condensed a whole lot more than I've just done it. I wanted to make sure it was deeply ingrained. But the so what of this message is transferable concept to have people not think about that middle ground and think, I'm not going to insult or, or disrespect Jesus. But they do it all the time if they don't accept what he said and what he said is that he's God himself, the one who offered himself for us. Let's pray together. And thank you, signers. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we do thank you that there is no middle ground that forces thinking people to make a decision to accept or reject the truth that Jesus claimed. And I pray that you would help us to be bold enough to share concepts like this with others. And I pray that there may be even some among us who have never regarded the Lord Jesus in this way, that he is who he claimed he was. And, and that's very logical. That's not something that we've got to divorce ourselves from our brains and say it's totally, totally faith, and I've got to believe something that makes no sense whatsoever. It does make sense. And thank you that you give us faith in something that is reasonable. And thank you for minds and for reason and for intellect. And thank you that we can use that as we look at your word and your word becomes something that is very, very reasonable because it's true, inspired by you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.